Welcome, 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 friends, family, and <laughs> subscribers uh, to Meeting Medicine, where two blokes uh, sit down and chew the fat over all things meeting in medicine. As per usual, I'm joined by my running mate, uh, Kevin. How are you, brother? Oh, not too bad, Dwayne. Just happy to be here, as oh. always. Uh, what about yourself? How have you look, been tracking? Kevin, Kevin, I am in a mood of absolute elation. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Um, look, obviously, we went, we went, we went public. We went mainstream. We hit the socials <laughs> last night, and the uptake has been humbling and slightly embarrassing. Um, so, nice. look, thank you to everyone out there for for jumping on board. And uh, yeah, I'm ready to go, mate. I'm ready to give the people what they want. Maybe, maybe not how much they want, but what they want. What about you, man? How did you feel I after must all, say, our, yeah. all our subscriptions uh, and all that stuff <laughs> last night? I must say I'm rather nervous to know now that we have hit double digits. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to watch what I say, you know. You've got to be it. all politically correct in everything now. Um, That's, it. That's it. My dad asked me actually last night like how much of the content is accurate because I was playing I was playing our first couple of podcasts and I think there was just laughter. And I didn't, really, <laughs> I didn't really answer the question, um, but, but but look, look, if we're disseminating untruths out there, uh, let us know, and and we will and we will do our best to to, to hit the bullseye as far as possible. Yeah, I think we can only get better from the precedent <laughs> we've set. To be perfectly honest, which is always good. <laughs> Rock bottom is a great foundation. Rock bottom is a great foundation. <laughs> so so what are like, yeah. That's it, man. So what are we what are we talking about today, big guy? Yeah, look, uh, I think today I would be pretty keen to talk about Alzheimer's mm. if you are. Oh, I sure am. I sure yeah. am. Do you feel like you're on top of it, Dwayne? Look, I mean, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say I wouldn't say I'm on top of it. Uh but <laughs> but I feel collaboratively. I think we're both we're both I'm trying to make this not sound like a dirty comment, but I think we're both <laughs> Com- will compensate for each other's gaps in knowledge. And I think collaboratively, uh, in, in the next 50 minutes or so, we will both end up being on top of it. Um, mm-hmm. whatever. I agree. That's I it. agree. So, so let's, 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 <clears throat> let's run it, I reckon, mate. Let's run it. Yeah. yeah. So I reckon Alzheimer's very meaty concept. I yeah. mean, especially we talk about in today's world, you know, you've got this aging population. Yeah. Um, and... As a result, this uh, illness is becoming more and more prevalent, especially because people are living longer. Mm. This is one of those diseases that um, is definitely a byproduct of, you know, um, aging. Mm. And, Mm. you know, it's such that it's, I think, the leading cause of dementia. Um, And I think I read somewhere, you know, it's actually one of the leading causes of death. I think true, in true, a lot of West true. in Western countries, yeah, yeah. Um, which is really quite interesting. I didn't mm. realize that. Um, mm. So yeah, what do you what do you know about it, Dwayne? Um, look, I mean, I mean, Alzheimer's used to be used to be that thing where you know, growing up, anyone who started to lose their memory, uh, you started to think, you know, oh, something's happening, Alzheimer's. Mm. Um, but and, and it is like you said, it is a, a disease or a pathology that we associate with aging and as we go through the epidemiology really soon we're going to see that most of it is a late onset uh but it is it is like like all like many diseases 
there is a subsection of the population, no matter how big or small it is, mm. that that is affected by an early onset. And and I think sometimes those those people who who suffer from Alzheimer's um, earlier on uh, can sometimes not get swept out swept out of the carpet, but they don't they don't sort of uh, maybe maybe get the same attention or the same response or the same I guess uh, care because people don't associate it with mm. being you know, an early onset situation. So on, on that note, um, do we, uh, do you want to maybe tell me, mate, what is the two main types of uh, Alzheimer's disease in terms of an epidemiology? Sort of point of view? Yes, um, I am aware of that. So there are kind of two uh, types, <laughs> types of Alzheimer's that we should probably talk about. So yeah, we've yeah. got the sporadic type, which mm-hmm. is, you know, your standard one, 95% of uh sufferers have this one and Mm. this is the late onset one so typically i think you know when you start hitting 65 or older Mm. um that's typically when this one rears its head yeah um and then the other type is the much more niche one uh the familial one Mm. and Mm. this one is earlier onset i think it comes on around 40 yeah and this is about five percent of cases so the meat is definitely in the late onset but in saying that i think uh we should definitely talk about the early onset familial type as well yeah yeah Uh, yeah no that's a great point you make caven and and uh, and just to you know give you a bit of stats uh ladies and gentlemen out there uh in terms of when caven said it is a um it is associated as a disease of aging uh, just a few stats, uh, just from uh, crickinfo.com, um, <laughs> that, that over the age of 60, I mean, one in, one in 10 individuals, uh, 65 years of age, tend to have it. And once you actually go past 85 years of age, that actually rises from 10% to almost a third. Um, mm. You know, so so almost your, your not, I wouldn't say your chances, but but you, you're going to be three times more likely. Um, about one third of the individuals over the age of 85 have uh, Alzheimer's. Um, and, and so, so yeah, it is, I'm really happy Kevin, that you said that we are going to talk about the familial part as well, uh, because there are a few, uh, a few cheeky sort of, uh, things that happen, uh, mutations and genetic stuff that, uh, puts a bit of, you know, we like the meat, but we like a bit of, we like a bit of sizzle meat. We like a bit of onions mm. as well, but we got to cook the meat. So talking about the meat, Kevin, now you are excited to talk about the pathophysiology of Alzheimer's disease. Uh, so, so mate, lay it on me thick and smooth. Mate, no. yes, the pathophys of Alzheimer's does get me excited. Um, I do enjoy talking about it. Um, I think just because I don't know who I was talking to when we came up with this, but... <laughs> Again, you know me and my really weird ways of remembering things. I'm still Um, getting over the fact that your dad was spraying the the garden with weed spray in our previous episode. So I can't wait for this. I can't wait. Unfortunately, my dad does not appear in this pathophys, but um, I'm sure he will appear in pathophysiologies to come. But (laughs) anyway, so... The idea with Alzheimer's disease is maybe before I get into the disease, I'll talk about kind of what's normally happening physiologically. Mm -hmm. So 
you are aware of neurons, Dwayne. Yes, I am. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't know, mate. You said you'd done one week out of the five in neuros, so I didn't know if you'd quite. Yeah, and and that one week, and that one week covered what a neuron was. So you better back it up, son. You better back it up. (laughs) All right. Oh, I'm nervous now. I feel like I'm on question time. You've got the stats through. You're fact checking me. Look at this guy. Before we got like more than ten followers, we were the best of friends, and now it's just driving a schism in the Google room. It's just what's happening. We're, we're victims of our own success. Man. Oh my god, <laughs> suffering from success, as DJ Khaled would say. <laughs> All right, man. Oh my god, can I talk about the Pazophis now? Yeah, okay, go here, go we here we go. Here we go. So. It all begins. Oh no, I was going to talk about the normal physiology. Yes, so yes. we had neurons. Neurons, yeah. they're the mm. you know cells in your brain and your mm. spinal cord that are transmitting electrical impulses, um, sending messages around your body. We mm. all know what neurons are. That's so right. essentially, in the membranes of neurons, we had these things called amyloid precursor proteins, APPs, mm-hmm. apps. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, like applications. I don't yeah. know. That's probably a bad way to remember it. Don't <laughs> don't think about it like that. <laughs> Definitely don't think about it like that. Okay, so we've got amyloid precursor proteins. They're just hanging out in the membranes, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. And they're meant to be there. Essentially, um, I can't remember. I think they somehow assist with normal neuron function with like um, growth and repair. Anyway, they're there and they're meant to be there. Anyway, um, they kind of hang out. Sometimes they're broken down and they're rebuilt. Um, it's kind of this um, kind of like a phoenix cycle, you know, like they're there, then they get broken down. Mm-hmm. Um, they mm-hmm. reappear somewhere else, emerge from, not really emerge from the ashes. Yeah. This metaphor has already failed. But, no, no, so back you, is <laughs> it only yeah. fails when you said it's failed. So keep going. Keep so going. we've got these mythical APPs floating around <laughs> your membrane. and essentially what's happening is when they're getting broken down normally you have these two proteins that work on them and they're both called secretases Mm -hmm. and i think i remember that by just thinking i think of them like secretaries so they're kind of like working in the background you know doing the dirty work so you, you can function um that's definitely not the etymological root of secretase, but that's just how I operate. Okay? This is, so this is we, how we do things on meaty medicine. We just, we just, we just integrate the various We just of force life. things to work, you know? We force these metaphors to work. So we got these secretaries. We got the secretases. Yep. And what they do is they cut up. When, when your body decides, okay, I'm getting rid of this APP, they just they come in and they make some cuts in it okay mm-hmm. so you've got two of them you've got a alpha secretase and you've got a gamma secretase mm-hmm. so your body goes all right i'm getting rid of this app sends in the secretaries and they make a few cuts and um yeah so they've cut up the app into these like uh smaller proteins other than i guess like digested and broken down Mm-hmm. But um, but the issue is, so Alpha Secretase, he's really good at his job, okay? He's like, he came first in secretary school. He's just killing it. He's the Alpha. He is the Alpha. He's right? the Alpha. alpha. He is the alpha. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, however, disaster strikes because Alpha has this rather kind of unimpressive younger brother 
uh, called Beta Secretes. And um, I think of him as this, you know, like irritating younger brother who is probably an attempt by the parents to keep the marriage going. And, (laughs) you know, you know what I mean? This needs to be talked about more. We're we're not even talking about a neurodegenerative disorder anymore. We turned into Dr. Phil. (laughs) Look, I I don't know if you've realized yet, I use this podcast to just vent about. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I feel like you need a hug. (laughs) But but keep going. But keep going. Yeah, so we got Beta Secretaries, who's this really unimpressive younger brother. And he always wants to hang out with his older brother, Alpha, and his mate, Gamma. Okay. (laughs) Stop laughing. (laughs) To keep the marriage alive. (laughs) So good. Oh, God. Anyway, so Beta, Beta comes along and he wants to hang out with Alfred Gamma. Right. Right. So yeah. he comes in and he starts kind of skirting on Alpha's turf. Yeah. And he starts teaming up with Gamma and cutting up the a- abyloid precursor protein, that oh, APP. Okay. The thing is, he's such a Beta. He's so bad at the job. <laughs> the, the, the thing they end up cutting up, it isn't actually soluble if that makes sense like oh. it's it can't be broken down any further so right. it's actually really damaging what he's come in and done so he's right. come in uh replaced alpha and mm. just done a pretty terrible job and yep. you end up with these insoluble kind of shitty proteins that yep. are just like floating around outside your neuron and your mm. body is like what the hell do i do with this nice yep. one beta yep. you know what i mean yeah yeah um yeah, and basically these things just accumulate, these annoying yeah. proteins, mm. um, on the outside of the neuron membranes. Yeah. And they kind of um, – I don't know if you covered this in week one, Dwayne, but um, <laughs> <laughs> the neurons, they kind of are like – I mentioned they conduct electrical signals, right? Yes. And yeah. they kind of interconnect. So – they have mm. terminals where one neuron connects to the next one and sends the signal. Yep. And the issue is these annoying proteins that beta has produced, mm. um, kind of they accumulate outside the neurons and they actually start getting into these terminals and messing up the transmission yep. of the neural signal. Mm. And this is kind of the source of a lot of um, the Clinical features we're going to talk about later, sure, I think. Sure, sure. Um, and just another note about those. So these annoying proteins that accumulate are called plaques, mm. kind of like the plaque on your teeth, just mm. like an annoying accumulation you don't want there. Mm. And the other thing these plaques do is they actually get into the um, blood vessels of your brain Ooh. and Ooh. they deposit there as well. So yeah. they're really just turning up everywhere you don't want them to be. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so they cause this thing called amyloid angio- angiopathy, which is right. basically they undermine the kind of structural integrity of the blood vessels in your brain, which mm-hmm. can lead to some other worrying things. I think we mentioned briefly in our stroke um yes yes they can they can sort of cause hemorrhagic strokes and also uh, yeah yeah that's another story but well we're not yeah look that was um yeah no that was that was brilliant um whilst you were whilst you were weaving that fantastic uh, fantastic (laughs) metaphor at the mind of a loom um i was i uh you know 
since I can't really relate to a lot of this, since according to you, I've only still done five days of Miro. Um, <laughs> beta, beta secretaries to me seems like a third wheel to a thing that's working mm. real well. You know, like when exactly. you have that one friend who like, you know, they just get in the way, man, and they just cut your grass, you know, like you've got this like ham sandwich and they're like, put some lettuce there, son. We don't want that lens, you know, and, and at the end of the day, it just ruins a good thing. And now this has turned into my therapy session. So um, we've got the plaques, like you've said. Um, should we talk about the tangles? I think I think you should talk about the tangles because I'm more of a plaque specialist. Okay. Well, oh, that's that's the word we're using now. Okay. Specialist. Right. Okay. Um, well, okay. So you mentioned you mentioned the beta amyloid plaques. They are messing up with your with your synapses, which is that transmission zone, and they mm. are stuffing up your. Yeah, see, this was week one. Um, yeah, that's then, why I was so impressed. I was like, he knows the word synapse. It. it was it was week one of undergrad. Uh, no, and it's messing up your blood vessels, but it doesn't stop there, does it, Caleb? Because these plaques are accumulating, like you said, on the outside of the neuron, and um, and you know what, mate external factors, external tensions, whether it's in life, in relationships, or in a neuron, it always has an effect on the internal situation. So the build-up mm. of these plaques outside starts to trigger a pathway on the inside of these neurons. Now, inside these neurons, most of these neurons, the main structural component of neurons internally are these things called microtubules. Mm. And microtubules are essentially like little railway tracks um, uh, little little sort of scaffolds where you know nutrients and and other things that help sustain and regenerate and maintain the function of neurons they're pretty much just whizzing around these tracks. So essentially, microtubules are that scaffold. They're that structure. They're the unsung hero. Um, and and the main the main uh, proteins that are involved or rather associated with microtubules is called tau protein. T a u mm -hmm. tau protein. Um, now, under normal circumstances, you've got the tau, microtubules are OG, it's all going well. But, oh, my third wheel outside, oh, Billy Big Bollocks on the outside, you know, has now what they want, all this tension on the outside. You know, you can have tension outside the home, it's going to always affect what's happening inside. So the pathway that we talked about, it leads to enzymes called kinases, and kinases are known for just wanting to phosphorylate everything. I don't know why, but they just want to. They just they just turn up to a party and, and they're just like, here, bro, have some phosphate. And you're like, man, I don't need more phosphate. And it's like, ha ha, you got phosphate. It's, it's literally, yeah, it's that annoying guy at the party who's walking that's around it. with like really trash beer and just like forcing it on you. That's I it. feel like that's the situation here. That's it. That's it. Yeah. So, but instead of forcing beer on an unsuspecting party goer, what the kinase <laughs> does is that it phosphorylates, and in fact, it hyperphosphorylates the tau protein. So essentially, this tau protein is not built to have so much bloody bloody phosphate attached to it. So what mm -hmm. it actually does is this tau protein detaches from the microtubules. It detaches from the microtubules, and now these microtubules, which are relying on the tau protein to make it, you know, because it's associated with it, your microtubule integrity starts to fall apart. But not only that, all these tau proteins and the detachment of the microtubules, they actually start to clump into things known as fibrils or to, into things known as what we like to call neurofibrillary tangles. I totally messed that up. And for my own ego, I'm going to say that again. 
Neuro fibrillary tangles. Neuro I feel like my neurofibrillary tangles. Um, <laughs> something's happening. My ancestors have awoken. Um, so yes, so you've got the the, the, the build up of these tangles, the clumping of these tangles, uh, these fibrils is going to lead to neuron apoptosis, which essentially mm. means cell death. And because it's apoptosis in the in the nervous system or the brain, uh, the main cell death there is neuron. So once again, the plaques on the outside they're causing issues. They bring that tension on the inside. Kinase rolls up, dumps the phosphate onto the towel. Mm-hmm. We got fibrils. We got tangles. In the words of J- what, Jada Pinkett Smith, we got an entanglement. <laughs> Topical. <laughs> and now we've got neuron apoptosis. Right. I actually really liked your little metaphor there about the microtubules being train tracks. And yep. now I just had this kind of image of, yeah, the um, hyperphosphorylation of the train <laughs> of the train tracks are like kind of breaking them down and you can imagine yeah all these like this kind of graveyard of dismembered train tracks all over the place inside the neuron and obviously that's not going to be not going to be conducive to function right correct Correct. Um, Correct. and you said did you say apoptosis so self-programmed death is that correct yeah i reckon it is mate because you know how sometimes in normal cells, because apoptosis is a programmed situation. So when you sometimes build up so much trash on the inside of cells, mm. I feel like you've got like these pro-apoptotic factors that get triggered. Yep. And I'm yep. feeling like, I'm not sure, but I'm feeling like this is the same situation because these fibrils, these clumps are not supposed to be there in such mm. aggregates. So I feel the neurons like, mate, this is not going to be a control Z situation. This is an <laughs> F4, control, alt, delete throw the whole laptop into the bin situation. Let's start again. Um, exactly. The neurons not. Yeah, yeah. You keep obviously, going. as you're getting older, you know, now you can have a bit of neuron apoptosis when you're younger and you can regenerate. But when you're getting older, this is now a bigger issue because your, 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 your general ability to regenerate cells and stuff is becoming compromised just with age-related mm. changes. So this is why we associate Alzheimer's in the mainstream with aging. Right. That's a good point. But I also think it's also worth just clarifying that I don't actually, I don't know, but I don't, I didn't get the impression that this happens much in younger people as well. Just Mm -hmm. the whole idea of the plaques and Mm -hmm. the annoying beta secretase. It might, but I I definitely agree that this whole effect is exacerbated by the fact that yeah, they're older. Um, so yeah, yeah, less turnover and everything like that. Um, Yeah, very nice. Well, well put, Dwayne. Well put. It was, it was it was hard to it was hard to follow up your your story of a of a unhappy marriage and a, and a, I thought I would still play on that and bring it to a tense household. No, was, that was great. That was great. Enjoy so, that Kevin, so, 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 Kevin, I mean, we've talked about the plaques. We've talked about the tangles. What yeah. is the what is the end game in the end? Like like what is actually happening on say a neurotransmitter level or stuff like that because of this situation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think if I think what you're getting at is the yeah. fact that you, especially in Alzheimer's, it's noted that there's this reduction in cholinergic function. Mm. Um, so for some reason, especially 
cholinergic neurons are defected. Uh, yep. uh, sorry, did I say defected? I, sorry, I mean, <laughs> I mean affected. Yeah. And um, they kind of start to degenerate especially. So mm. you get this um, deficiency in acetylcholine, uh, yep. important neurotransmitter, and um, that is definitely important in the development of a few of the symptoms we'll talk about. Yeah. And I think it also plays a role in like the small amount of treatment that we can do for Alzheimer's as well. Mm. But uh, we will talk about that later also. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anything else to add about the pathophys? No, right? mate. That was, that was meaty. That was meaty. That was really, that was really good. That was very good. Wow. Yeah, it was, it was quite meaty. I'm quite happy with it. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, Shall we talk about maybe some of the mutations? Did you study yes. that? Yes, yes, yep. I did. Yes, so that was mm. week two. Um, but <laughs> no, no. So, so there are mutations here, like like Caven said. Ninety five percent is the sporadic, um, and and uh, and five uh, percent is the familial. Um, now, with the sporadic Alzheimer's disease, the main mutation that we want to talk about um, is, is is a mutation to the gene, and this is a mouthful here. But apolipoprotein E, apolipoprotein E. So let's just talk about that. So apolipoprotein E, it really helps. Its main role, I mean, I'm sure it has a lot of roles, but in this context, its main role is to break down beta amyloid, that ridiculous third wheeling, a marriage destroying plaque that's building. <laughs> right? But but apolipoprotein E, um, it, it 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 has a lot of it has a lot of uh, Family members. It has a lot of family members because teamwork, Caven, makes the dream work, right? So, protein <laughs> E's got a lot of family members. But I, I don't know about you, Caven, but back in high school, we had like this one family who, like, they had four sons, and two of them played for the All Blacks, which is, uh, if you don't know, it's a New Zealand rugby team, one of the best teams in the world. One got a scholarship to basketball in uh, in the US, I think, at wow. Duke University. Um, and then one played the flute, you know, so, so I'm not saying that playing the flute is bad. I mean, I'm excuse a me, Dwayne, what are you trying to say here? I am a classical musician. Yes. Yes. But what I'm trying to say is that if you put the flute player on the rugby field compared to, brothers, <laughs> he, he could play rugby, but he just right. was less effective. That's what nice I'm save, to. nice That's save. What I'm uh, also, everyone knows that, that I I don't I, I respect the flute, but the oboe is my. I mean, I don't understand. Oh. What's yeah, it sounds like a duck with emphysema. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, anyway. Um, so the apolipoprotein E is there to break down the beta amyloid, but there's a certain allele called E4. And that's mm. that brother where you put him on the rugby team, great flautist or flautist or whatever they call themselves. <laughs> I call them clowns. But you put him on the rugby field and he's less effective. So if you've got something with that APOEE4 thing, you're more likely to accumulate beta amyloid plaques because mm. this whole thing's just not working as well as it is. And 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 there's a nice there's a nice sort of thing because there's a lot of you know proteins and enzymes to remember. Apes are breaking down the amyloid, right? So apes mm. stands with the lipoprotein E, but then you've just got that one ape that's just slightly dimmer than the others, and and he's actually he's actually he's actually just clapping his hands with symbols while everyone else, <laughs> while, while everyone else is trying to uh, trying to do the beta amyloid. So that's the main mutation yeah. as far as yeah. I'm concerned, Cayman. 
uh, with with sporadic Alzheimer's. Is there mm. anything that you want to add to that? Yeah, yeah, that that metaphor really worked out right. Except he's not a flute player; he's a cymbal player. I think. Oh, flute cymbal, mate! You put any of them yeah. on the rugby field, it's going to be a shambles. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um. So just to to reiterate, uh, my understanding was so. This is by no means like a root cause of the sporadic Alzheimer's, but it's definitely a big risk factor if you have the E4 allele. So if you have that symbol player allele yeah. um, as opposed to a normal ape because you had this kind of uh, anemic like symbol player ape that can't really break down, no. you know, slightly no. malnourished, just yes. would not perform well on the rugby no. pitch. No. Um, yeah, so that is a risk factor mutation for the sporadic variety of yes. Alzheimer's. Yes. Um, but obviously in the 5% early onset familial type of Alzheimer's, that is going to be a lot more related to the genetic mutation side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the, there are a few mutations we can talk about, but the kind of medius ones are the PSEN genes. So there's yep. PSEN1, PSEN2. Pretty sure the PSEN one's responsible for like 50% of mm. familial cases, mm. uh, the early onset cases. And essentially, do you remember us talking about um, the two secretaries, Alpha yes. and Gamma? Yes, yeah. yes. So, and we talked about how the kind of normal disease progression in that sporadic one is Alpha's uh, kind of accidental, <laughs> accidental younger, oh no, or intentional younger brother, that beta. I think, I think it was intentional because they were intending to save the marriage. I think exactly, exactly. Regardless, he um, isn't quite as functional as the alpha secretaries, yeah. creates yeah. some issues. Um, but we didn't really talk about the gamma secretaries because um, mm. that's mm. usually fine. Yeah. But in the familial type, with the PSEN mutation, mm. um, it's actually the gamma secretase that goes a little bit awry. Ooh. And it, it ends up cutting, I think, at a slightly different point and mm. it causes a different length beta amyloid and then that one causes a plaque as well. Oh, so, God. you know, slightly yeah. different journey, but the same yeah. result really. Yeah. Uh, this yeah. time it's gamma letting down the team. Uh, does that sound right to you? That, that's that's bang on, mate. That's, and, and what I'm taking away from this, mate, is that Alpha's the only one you can trust. Like Alpha's, <laughs> Alpha, Alpha, it's just it's just a shambles. I mean, Beta's over there trying to rescue the sinking ship of the Titanic of the relationship, <laughs> and Gamma then has this buddy P in one, P in two situation. So Alpha's just looking around and be like, mate, I'm I'm, uh, what am I surrounded by? Just incompetence. But but you're absolutely right, mate. So yeah, piece in one, piece in two, and it's all about mainly about the piece in one in terms of contribution. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um. Uh. To to add to to add to that, mate. Uh. Trisomy twenty one. Trisomy twenty one, which is uh, which oh, is right, another right. word for Down syndrome. Um. Yeah. So Down syndrome is also uh, or the fact that you've got three copies of uh, chromosome twenty one is also. Uh, implicated to some level uh, in 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 uh, the familial uh, Alzheimer's disease mm. situation. Now you spoke about right at the top, mate, about APP, amyloid precursor protein, and um, we said of the fact is that 
it's a normal finding. It's supposed to be there. Um, it's an integral part of neurons, and it, you know it's there and it gets regenerated and recycled and cleaned, yeah, and like a phoenix, but like not a like phoenix, a phoenix, but not like a phoenix. So, so <laughs> we, yeah. So, so uh, think about a phoenix, but then stop thinking about a phoenix, um, and and think of anything but a phoenix. Um, so, so essentially, the the gene that encodes for this amyloid precursor protein, the APP, happens to be located on chromosome twenty one as well mm. so purely by the virtue of having an extra chromosome you're technically going to have an extra encoding situation for app mm. um so so usually people with trisomy 21 uh because they've got that extra chromosome 21 they're going to have that extra app um so this just just by the fact that you've got this raw product there which is the app you, mm. you're increasing your chances and in the end, you, you, you may probably end up with overproduction of that amyloid plaque buildup. So you take you take the fact that you've got more APP around, you combine it with just the general incompetence of gamma and and the third wheeling of beta, and you can start mm-hmm. to see why why with the familial stuff, with these mutations, you're going to see that early onset situation become much more likely. Um, like exactly. you spoke, like you spoke about caving around that age of 40, 45. Mm. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, if you've got more teeth, you're gonna get more plaque. I don't. Again, don't look too deeply into that metaphor. Doesn't track very well. <laughs> but I think the, the idea is if we you have, have more we of have, this, we have emptied the tank of the metaphors. <laughs> I feel our next one's just going to be like a bullet point. <laughs> oh, it's the most, just using these absolutely unnecessary metaphors. Um, anyway, yeah, basically, if you have more of that APP, because yeah. you have um, another whole chromosome encoding, well, not yeah. the whole chromosome for APP, yeah. but the genes on there. Yeah. Are you going to have more APP? Of course, you're going to, you know, probably produce more amyloid plaques. So sure, sure. just to pull that back in. So we were talking about the, five percent early onset familial um alzheimer's so that's Mm. the one that occurs at about age 40 and that can be because of the psn one or two mutations which is when your gamma when Mm. alpha's mate decides to you know rebel a little bit and (laughs) then (laughs) trisomy the other ones in down syndrome so down syndrome people suffering from down syndrome often will develop alzheimer's at like yeah. an early age mm, yeah mm, mm, um mm, cool i think are there any other mutations or is that all of them no i reckon that do? was the meat man i'm sure there are the mutations but i think that mm. was the meat on this one mm, mm. this has been a big genetics podcast this is big, this is, this is as much as i can take on genetics, but it's actually really interesting it's really mm. interesting. I, i'm enjoying it mm, mm. okay well i think the next thing we should talk about is diagnosis of oh actually no 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 i skipped a step let's talk about um what do you call it like the clinical picture what does someone with alzheimer's look sure. like why are you thinking they have alzheimer's yeah that kind of yeah stuff. um it's it's important to know uh Kevin, and i think with a lot of neurodegenerative situations is that early stages um i wouldn't say asymptomatic but they are able to they are able to function at some semblance of normality. So mm-hmm. pe- patients are people with mild Alzheimer's disease. 
they are often able to maintain a social facade. So, so, so you're not going to see these sort of what we call red flags right from the outset, most of the time. Yeah, there's always exceptions to the rule, but most of the time. But the, the, the main things that we can sort of split, we can split up, um, you know, the, the, the symptoms that we're going to see into cognitive and non-cognitive. So if we talk about the cognitive symptoms of Alzheimer's, just some common symptoms here. Your short-term memory impairment tends to be quite an early sort of situation. Hmm. Um, um, and, and it's an insidious, like we used in HIV, it's an insidious. Yeah, well, insidious. Love, mate, insidious. I, have been, I have been using the word insidious so much. So much. Mate, have you seen the movie Insidious? No, mate, I haven't. Is it a good one? You heard, I, it's a horror movie. Oh, I'm not read. watching it. I'm not watching it. No, <laughs> I, can't, I can't do. I can't do horror. If I need horror, I'll just have a look at my grades this year. That's enough. For me. <laughs> um, but no. So the short-term memory impairment start, uh, is is sort of the the, the kickoff. Uh, and and you find a patient, you find a person forgetting conversations, forgetting mm. appointments, forgetting events. Uh, you know, yeah. so you've got that episodic memory, which is affected first. Um, uh, next up, and keep in mind, guys, we're, we're saying next up, but it's not like a first, it's this, then it's this, then it's this. It's more like a, mm. it, it, it's a continuum, right? It's a continuum. It's a, I'd like to say it's a constellation, Dwayne. Yeah, but a constellation, a constellation still has like, like, oh. like distinct points, right? Doesn't it? <laughs> oh. Oh no, I I don't know. I was just trying to be fancy. Um, you know what? You know what, mate? Me... I'm, I'm I'm nothing if not loyal. So yeah, scrap that. <laughs> it's a constellation. So the I don't want is... your pity, Dwayne. I don't want your pity. Hey, uh, no, hey, I think. <laughs> hey, I, I'm I'm just trying to be a good Christian here. So the next thing is you language impairment. Language yeah. impairment is, is is part of this <laughs> constellation. Um, that's that's a big thing. The next thing now, Kevin, we're getting to. Is 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 disorientation. So people now, when you when we're in the hospital um, that we're going to see next year, uh, we say, is the person orientated to TPP? Are they orientated to time? Are they orientated to place? Are they orientated to person? And mm. this is usually uh, once you're starting to you know get a bit shaky on these points. This is an example of temporal and spatial disorientation. So the patients are now often getting lost, and it's actually. Probably at this stage, or if you're not listening clearly to the language part of it, at this stage where people are suddenly thinking, oh, hold on, something something might be wrong here. Um, and then the last part, but also could be a part, an earlier part of that constellation of symptoms, is the impairment of executive uh, functions and judgment. So those are sort of the common ones, Kevin, in terms of cognitive. Mm. What Do you know any sort of less common ones uh, with the cognitive side of Alzheimer's? Yeah, I mean, I think some other ones that are probably important to mention are the things like they get this kind of progressive aphasia, uh, mm. which is um, typically looks like they're having trouble finding words yeah. uh, to express themselves. Yeah. And the other classic one, I think, is they, like you mentioned, because of that impairment of like executive function and decision making, mm. they're actually kind of having trouble performing purposeful coordinated movements um so they have issues with like tasks of daily living so mm, even mm. something like putting on a sock i mean i sometimes i have trouble with that myself but yeah. just like yeah. you know day-to-day tasks that yeah. um people kind of don't even think about it yeah. that can yeah. start to become an issue so i think that's called apraxia i don't know how useful it is to remember that word yeah. it probably is but yeah. 
yeah, that kind of thing. So mm. I think the most, the way I, because there's so many symptoms, right, mm. that could, mm. could look like, the way, yeah. the ones that I think are kind of like the highest yield, the meatiest, mm. um, I made a little acronym for. So oh. when I think of Alzheimer's, I kind yeah. of think of this doddery old man. So the, <laughs> I mean, it, it's true, right? So the um, acronym I, oh, it's not an acronym, I never know, mnemonic. I Mnemonic. made was um, doddering men lose words. So, and what that stands for is doddering is daily tasks. They have trouble with daily tasks because mm. of that loss of executive functioning. Mm. We've got, so doddering men, men is memory. So they, like you mentioned that episodic memory, they start forgetting, you know, events and dates and this kind of stuff. Mm. Um, so doddering men lose, lose I uh, is just literally lost so they're disorientated yeah and then words is literally words as well so word Mm. finding to be honest it's barely even a mnemonic it's just me combining all the symptoms so just to summarize daily tasks memory lost so they're disoriented and word finding so that was out of phasia so doddering men lose words is usually what i think for alzheimer's what What do you think of that what does what does doddering mean kate Oh, really? Is that not a common word used in parlance? I, I thought I, I haven't heard the word doddering. Um, oh, you're putting me my, on the spot. I, I thought it was like <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was kind of you know, you know, like when an old person is kind of walking around and they're kind of pottering and they're looking a bit um unstable and right, okay, right. I'm googling this because I am floundering yeah. right now. Yeah, um, yeah. Here we go. Yeah, I was kind of on the way. Moving in a feeble or unsteady way, especially because of old age. Okay. 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 That's good. The example is that doddering old fool. I'm sure you've heard insult before. Have you not heard that? Mate, I have never heard that phrase in my life. Wow. It hasn't made it there. No, it probably is. It's just that I've got no friends. So um, (laughs) no one talks to me. um, And the voices I hear don't know doddering. So... um, (laughs) It's definitely not there. But no, that's brilliant. Doddering men lose words. That's a classic. Yeah. That's a classic. Yeah. 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 Um, so so uh, before, mate, you asked me, uh, before before we went to the clinical picture, uh, we said, how do we diagnose Alzheimer's? How do we diagnose Alzheimer's? Yeah. And, and I find this fascinating. I find this fascinating because so much of diagnosis, mate, in medicine, I think, nowadays, is so over-reliant almost over-reliant, but in a good way sometimes, um, on tests, on, on mm. investigations, on, di- on radiography, on, you know, stuff like that. And I remember, I remember back, in the day, back in the day, here we go. Um, <laughs> I love doing back in the day because I'm the doddering old man. In this doddering place. old man over um, here. here we but go. Back, in, back in the day, um, I remember I was working at the hospital I used to work at. I was working with a consultant who was like a real old school consultant. And mm. he always said that, that, diagnosis needs to be made at the bedside. Now, that's a bit of a... He was flexing because he was one of these, like, gods that who just knew a lot. But I think I think he had a point. Is the fact that a lot of our process needs to be focused on actually the history and what we're getting from the patient rather than just fully relying on investigations. Um, so in the case of Alzheimer's, um, you want to use neuropsychological testing. Now, it is a way of testing 
but actually you're engaging with the patients. And there's different sort of types of tests. There's something called the mini mental state examination, which I think probably used more in Australia and New Zealand. Mm. Um, uh, the Canadians have the old Montreal cognitive assessment, but I've never heard of that one till now. But the mini mental, the MMSC, is a classic. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really, and it's really sort of the hallmarks of a patient who's probably doing this. You're trying to work out why have they got this memory loss. Why have they got this cognitive fun- and functional decline? But usually, it will usually be the patient's family or if they're in, say, a care setting or if they're part of a community where people will be like, hey, man, something's a little bit off. You know, something's a little bit off. So you, so the, diagnosing dementia is actually a diagnosing, as I was diagnosing dementia, is almost the thing of ruling out almost everything else and then being like, okay, it can't, it can't really be anything hmm. about dementia. So, in terms of that ruling out process, Caden, what are some of the things that we want to sort of rule out and, and, and how would we maybe go about it? Yeah, yeah. I just want to make a quick clarification first. I don't think we actually mentioned yet the difference between dementia and Alzheimer's, oh, So, cool. which I think is really important, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And that's pretty confusing. I was like confused for like, I think like four weeks. I just I didn't know what dementia. Um, so Alzheimer's is that pathological process we've been talking about with, you know, the secretaries, the the plaques, <laughs> the the train tracks, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the phoenix. <laughs> that's not a phoenix. The phoenix, that's yeah. not a phoenix. <laughs> that's not a phoenix. Yes. Um, yeah, but whereas dementia is more of like almost a syndrome. I actually, I don't want to say that. It's just the idea that they've got all these neurolog- neuropsychological issues like memory loss, co- reduced cognitive function, yeah. and um obviously Dwayne that can be caused by a whole host of things Mm. right and Mm. it can be temporary it can be degenerative um so like you said the the approach to diagnosis is first they diagnose not Alzheimer's they diagnose Mm. dementia so they go okay does this person actually have dementia and to do that they use that mini mental state exam yeah. and by you and you get a certain score on that exam and it, you know they test all kinds of things there's a really funny video on youtube of trump oh, um gosh. talking about how he aced his mini mental yes. state exam yes. Yes. Uh, you'd hope so as yes. the president of the country although um I think I was reading uh, Ronald Reagan actually became quite a big advocate for talking about his Alzheimer's and everything. Oh. Um, random tangent, sorry. But that's an interesting thing to look into. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> Rest in peace, Ronald Reagan. Rest in peace. Yeah. yeah, I mean, look, say what you will about his uh, politics. That's a whole nother conversation. But, um, yeah, let's not get into that. We are apolitical on this podcast. Um, so yeah one diagnose the dementia using that test once you've done that that's when we start talking about okay this person's got dementia they've got that reduced cognitive function what's causing it and that's when you start doing the ruling out that you started talking about Dwayne. so because you know there's so many things so i think this is where a lot of the tests come in so you might do some lab tests to rule out things like I think hypothyroidism and certain vitamin deficiencies can cause dementia. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we say dementia, again, it doesn't mean it's like a permanent condition. So you can have like very curable dementia syndromes that are due yep. to like 
random things. And then yeah. they might do neuroimaging to kind of check out your brain, yeah. um, see if there's some kind of, you know, maybe there's a tumor pushing on something and giving yeah. you dementia, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think the, the other one is uh, depression. Depression mm. can cause mm. this kind of uh, like pseudo dementia yeah. Yeah. where you kind of present with all these kind of cognitive defects that's actually sourced from your depression. Yeah. Um, so that's a really important one. Mm. Um, and so you do all these tests and if everything's looking kind of okay, yeah. that's when kind of get to the point where you're like okay um we're thinking this person has alzheimer's is yeah. that is that yeah. correct that was understanding. no you nailed it you nailed it and and the thing is i guess what kevin has just talked about is that we're trying to rule out the reversible causes the yes. reversible causes of dementia right so medications like you said lab tests and and just to clarify it, like kevin said it was hypo thyroidism not hypo, all right hypo. <laughs> No, 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 you said it right, but I just wanted to, I just wanted, you know, we have New Zealand listeners, different accent, you know, you know how it is. Um, but yes, no, you're totally right, Kevin. Um, and, and like you said, you actually get to the point where, okay, we've excluded everything else. Uh, it's got to be Alzheimer's, lads. It's got to be Alzheimer's. Mm, but, mm. The, but the only definitive diagnosis, Kevin, the black and white, the, this is the, to quote boys to men, the end of the road, you know, um, the only way you really know it it's actually by doing a neurohistopathological examination, which can only be done once the person has passed away. So it can only be conducted post-mortem, um, you know, and that's the only time you can definitively say, yes, this person, this person had Alzheimer's. They had So Alzheimer's. by that, do you mean they, they'll take the corpse, crack open their head, take it, look into their brain and like microscopically yeah i reckon i reckon that's the situation because i was thinking about it the other day um when i got to week two and a half of the neuro uh, syllabus um is that <laughs> is that is that surely surely they're not doing this on the regular maybe maybe there is maybe there are maybe families who maybe want answers or people who donate their body to science you know some something like that because i don't think every older person who who is who is passing away is just being taken to the to the mortuary and having you know this this done, so uh, yeah. we may we may need someone who is a coroner or a a mortuary doctor or or mm. assistant or nurse to to have a listen to meeting medicine and tell us. But well, it's, it's, we're lucky we have such a large listener base of oh, of like oh, ten or so people now. So oh, I'm no, sure mate, at least mate, one mate, of them. It's actually twelve. It's actually oh. 12. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and after that phoenix metaphor, it's back to eight. Um, but, <laughs> but no, no. Uh, so like the phoenix, unlike the phoenix. Hopefully, we can resurrect. But 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 just for a bit of completeness, um, because we we like to be complete on the show, don't we, Kevin? Yeah, um, we do. Is that we do. When you look at the brain um, of a person who has who had or who had who's passed away and had Alzheimer's, uh, the main things you're going to see is that there's going to be widespread widespread atrophy of their cortex widespread atrophy of their cortex, um, especially in the hippocampus area. The hippocampus is a really important area, uh, especially for memory, I believe. Um, uh, When you have, you know, the gyri, which are the folds of the brain, um, they will tend to have narrowed down. And then by association, then the sulci, which are sort of the cracks or the crevasses. I hope I said that right. Crevasses, crevasses. (laughs) Fishers? I, I think it's cre- crevices. I, hang crevices? on. I actually I don't know. I am not. I'm well known for my phonetic deficiency. Well, you did say ischemia. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, okay. The sulci, 
um, they widen, the gyri have narrowed, and then uh, you're, you're going to get that generalized cortical atrophy. And then obviously if they, they, they want to push the boat out a bit more, when they take samples and they do the statings is when you're going to prove of those amyloid beta plaques that came and talked mm-hmm. about and the tangles, uh, the neurofibrillary tangles, I think you can sometimes mm. see them uh, as well yeah. with particular tests. Um, but yeah, so just to summarize that, uh, you want to diagnose dementia uh, and, and, and you're using the mini mental state exam or whatever is used in your part of the world. For us, it's the MMSC. The next thing is once you know it's dementia, you want to rule out reversible causes. So you pretty much run the table on everything. And then finally, by exclusion, you, you come to a working diagnosis, a probable diagnosis of Alzheimer's, but this can only be definitively confirmed if chosen post-mortem. Is that, is that mm. probably uh, probably right there, mate? Yeah, yeah. I think that's definitely the meat of it. Nailed yeah. it. Um, I don't know. This is probably worth just like a minute mention in that they still can try to run some tests to yeah. kind of, you know, increase their suspicion you do have Alzheimer's. So they might do things like have a look at your cerebrospinal fluid. So mm. they'll do a, mm. I think they'll, surely it's by a lumbar puncture yeah. and just have a analyze that and there might be increased levels of that tau protein or decreased beta amyloid proteins because they're all being uh kind of they're all stored up in your cerebral tissue as opposed uh-huh. to being in that in those meningi right. um and then another one is i mean they probably do it anyway but a ct mri um they might see kind of disproportionate atrophy of your hippocampus yeah. and that whole area with the episodic memory and mm. things like that. So mm. again, it's not in not, those tests don't confirm Alzheimer's. You really can't confirm it until, you know, you've cracked open their head and done some micros, uh, some staining on yeah. the look and found those plaques and tau yeah. proteins. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Um, so I guess, mate, we've talked about we've talked about the epidemiology. We've talked about the pathophys. Uh, we made some strenuous, strenuous, possibly insensitive metaphors, but let's run it. Um, <laughs> we we talked about the clinical picture, how a patient will present, and we talked about the diagnosis. So, mate, look, we've we've yarned on and we've yarned on. Is there treatment, Kevin Garvey, for um, Alzheimer's? Hmm. Look, I was under the impression that there isn't really a curative therapy in that you can't treat the disease because I still think they don't really know exactly what's going on. Like we've talked very confidently about all this <laughs> pathophysiology, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, but again, nothing's really that well defined for mm. this one. Mm. And so the therapy, yeah, it's just not that great, which is so crazy to me because this is obviously only day by day becoming more and more a bigger issue, right? Yeah, so yeah. I'm, I imagine they're working on it, all those smart mm, people mm, um, mm, in the pharmacology scene. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, there's no curative therapy yet. Mm. Um, I, so I think it's really about kind of just managing your lifestyle. Um, yeah, I don't really know anything more than that. What about you, Dwayne? Yeah, Dwayne? sounds good. Sounds good, mate. I think, I think the only thing that we want to say is that there is no curative, but uh, there is a bit of symptom stuff. So there is a right. bit of symptomatic therapy, but this depends on how the patient presents. So if they've got aggression, if they've got psychosis, uh, you can use low-dose antipsychotics. Uh, and then, and then you know, there is that, you know, ACH inhibitors that we're not going to go into too much about. 
that potentially, potentially could slow down the degeneration of the cholinergic neurons. But like Kevin said, look, if we're talking about the meat, the meat is that there's, as yet, uh, there is no curative therapy for Alzheimer's. I think, I think with those ACH inhibitors, it's more, it's not, because it's not disease modifying, right? It's not stopping no, the no. degeneration of the neurons. No. But what it is doing is because cholinergic neurons communicate using acetylcholine, yeah. if, and you know, they kind of weak because they're getting degenerated by Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. If you use those inhibitors, it stops the enzyme that breaks down acetylcholine. So it kind uh, of gives them a hand in, right, you know, right, sending right. their messages along. Right. Um, but again, yeah, that's just symptomatic treatment, right? Because you're yeah. not actually stopping the degeneration mm-hmm. of the neurons. Yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. A pretty grim picture to be honest. It I is. hope they get onto it by the time I'm yes. sixty. Yes. You know. Yes. And here we are hoping other people get onto it whilst we are in the medical field. <laughs> but like, yo, man, don't leave this to us, man. We don't, don't, don't leave this to us. We talked about a phoenix, but not a phoenix, and <clears throat> and a third wheel that ruined the household. You know, so who knows? Who knows? But no, well, mate, this was a good call, Kevin. This was a real meaty topic to end the week. Yeah, no, I actually, I enjoyed this. I feel like we've come up with a lot of new and inaccurate metaphors yes. and very insensitive metaphors, but yes. that's how we do it on meaty uh, medicine. But you know what? You know what? Like the late, great Kobe Bryant said, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. So you got to put exactly. the shots up, Kevin. We've got to put the shots up, and hopefully, hopefully one of them one of them scores the bucket, or one of them hits the back of the net. So we make no apologies for our for our uh, for our incorrect metaphors. And if anything, correct us, listen to us, and and tell yeah. us where we're wrong. I will actually be so happy if someone messages me and corrects me because it means that they actually listen to the podcast. <laughs> Oh yeah, just check your messages, bro. I just messaged you. Oh, you oh, want someone? You yeah. <laughs> want someone else? Oh, I see. I see. <laughs> oh well, okay. Um, I think that's it. I think we should draw it to a close. I'm yes. hungry. I yes. want to go have lunch. I, I've so, already had lunch, and I need oh. to. I need to have a nap now. So uh, here we go. Here You've we worked go. hard. You've earned. The doddering old man too. needs sleep. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dwayne, right, absolute mate. pleasure to chat to you as, as always. always. As always. Take care. All right, care. talk bye to bye. you soon. See bye you, bye. mate. Bye.